right. Hey there, fourth graders. I'm going to go ahead and get started for Mrs. Malthus's read aloud. Um, I'm reading from True, sort of, by Katherine Hannigan. Last time we read, we read chapters 13 through 16. And chapter 15 was uh, all about a new character that we met called Danny. And Danny has really um, admired Deli for a long, long time since first grade. And so they're out at recess and he decides to give her a kiss. And of course, Deli responds in an opposite way, which causes them to get into a little bit of a, a fight. And of course, she gets caught by the teacher and has to go to the principal's office. And so we are going to start with chapter 16 today. All afternoon, Deli sat in the chair. Must have forgot about me, she snickered. Then from down the hall, she heard Clarice's voice. We're here to see Mrs. McDowell. It's about Deli, Boomer added. Chisel, Deli murmured. She watched them walk toward her. Boomer shook his head when he spotted her. Deli? Clarice sighed as if the word meant something sad. Miss McDonagall was at the door. Mr. and Mrs. Pattison come in, she told them, and they disappeared. It was a long time later when the principal called Delaware. Please join us. She trudged to the door. Boomer and Clarice were sitting against the wall. Boomer's eyes were red and his jaw was tight. Clarice was clenching her chair so her knuckles were white. Deli slumped to her seat. I've told your parents about your trip to the river and the fight at recess, Mrs. McDonagall began. Huh? Deli mumbled. For the rest of the week, you'll have detention and recess on Alaska. Your parents have decided on a punishment for home. Boomer's mouth barely moved. Your room for a week. Deli's head popped up. For Deli punishments, it was puny. That's it, she muttered. It wasn't. Delaware, the trouble is chronic, Miss McGonagall continued. We're not sure this school can help you and keep the other children safe, too. We think another placement might be better for everyone. Deli was wondering if that meant Alaska all day, every day, when the principal told her, we've agreed to give you one more chance to succeed here. Huh? Deli didn't understand. Boomer explained, if you mess up one more time, it's over. You go to a new school for troubled kids. Deli thought about that. Then she asked, if I went to this other place, would I stop being bad? Mrs. McDougall shrugged. We hope it doesn't come to that. Nobody been watching Clarice because Clarice wasn't talking, but sounds were coming out of her now. Deli glanced at her mother. Tears were pouring down Clarice's cheeks like tiny waterfalls. She was holding in sobs, so they sounded like hiccups. Deli's heart stopped. This was worse than any trouble. It was the world falling apart because Clarice Pattison didn't cry ever. Till today. Ma, Deli called, trying to stop it. Clarice turned to her. She didn't speak, but her eyes were asking. Deli knew what she wanted. She wanted hope. She wanted her to say, I'll be different, I promise. But Deli didn't know how to be not Deli. Sorry, she whispered. Clarice closed her eyes. Her head dropped to her chest. She'd given up on Deli too. Mrs. McDougall stood. Boomer and Clarice walked out of the office with Deli behind them. They rode in the van without words. When they got home, nobody had to tell Deli to go to her room. Chapter 17. Deli lay on her bed. In her head, she made a list of the people who had given up on her. It was a long one. There was Officer Tibbetts, Clayton Fitch, Norma, and all the friends she didn't have anymore. Just today, she had added Lionel Terwilger, Mrs. McDougall, and Boomer, and Clarice. Making Clarice cry was the worst of it. Then Deli added one more name to the list, me. It'd be better if I wasn't around, she said out loud, so whatever brought her presence could take her away. 
There were two rivers of tears backing up behind her eyeballs, but she wouldn't let them out. She squeezed her eyes tight till they stopped stinging. It was late when Arby showed up. He lay down beside her. Deli, he asked, are you going to a different school? She shrugged and the bed shook a little. Don't go. His voice was cracking like he'd cry. She shrugged again. Then Arby was shouting, just quit getting in trouble. Just quit it. I'm not trying to get in trouble, she shouted back. Arby knew that was true. What are you trying to do, he asked. She thought about it. Have fun, do something good, except when I fight. He said it quietly so she wouldn't slug him too hard. Maybe you should try something different. She didn't smack him. Instead, she rasped, I don't know how to be, not me. They both lay there for a while. Dell, he said, huh? You know when I knock on your door and you say, go away, I'm doing something. And I want to say, you're not doing anything. Let me in. But I don't. I just sit there and wait. Deli didn't know that. Or you know when Galveston says, RB, I'm in charge. Clean up this room and I want to take Ma's spatula and whack her. But I don't. I just walk away. Deli didn't know that either. Know what I'm doing instead of whapping? What? She turned to him waiting for the words. Finally, somebody was going to tell her how to stop the trouble. I'm counting, Arby smiled, so proud of himself. What? She screeched. I'm counting, you know. One, two, three. It makes me calm down. That's what you got to do, Dell. You got to count, he told her, like he had solved everything. Arby, she was talking through her teeth. I'm in trouble up to my eyeballs, and you think I should count? Yep, he said surely. Arby, bed, Boomer called. He slid off from beside her. Will you try, he asked. She shrugged. Del, please. And the tears were two seconds away. Okay, she agreed, just so somebody else wouldn't be sobbing because of her. He put his face close to hers. I know you can do it, he whispered. RB, yep. One, two, three. She counted like Clarice did when somebody had till 10 before trouble, and he was gone. Counting, Deli spit the word. I'd rather eat worm sandwiches. In the dark, she tried to think of something else she could do to be Deli different. They could tie me up, she said. Then I couldn't fight, but she couldn't eat or do homework either. They could keep me in my room forever, she suggested. Clarice wouldn't leave her alone in the house, though, since she parachuted off the porch roof. Forget it. There's no fix in me. She gave up again till she remembered Clarice crying. Chisel, she murmured. Because Deli could take people calling her names or being sent to a special school, everybody in the world could give up on her except Clarice. Arby only counts when he gets worked up. That's hardly ever. I'll have to do it every ballgram second, she complained. But there was Clarice, her eyes still asking. All right, I'll count, she told the darkness. And that's how she went to sleep. One ballgram it, two ballgram it. Chapter 18. That's how she woke up too. She brushed her teeth counting, trudging downstairs counting, crunching, crunched her cereal counting. She counted as Galveston growled at her. I heard about you. You better shape up. 567, 568, 569, her mouth mumbled while her fingers curled into fist. Galveston, Clarice called, get over here and pulled her from the table so the numbers were not truly tested. She counted to herself on the way to school. What are you doing? Arby asked her. She didn't stop. You're counting, he cheered. Then he sang it. Then he sang it. You're counting, you're counting. Is it working, he wondered. She shrugged. It's working. You can stop. You can stay. He ran around her singing that. 
And Deli didn't tell him, don't count on it, because it was good to see somebody happy, even if it wasn't her. Lionel Terwilger had to ask her every question twice, once for her to quit counting and again for her to hear it. Then, for one sweet moment, there were no numbers. But as soon as she answered, a spider is in an, is an arthropod, not an anthropologist, she had started again. It was the most boring morning ever, and when Deli imagined a lifetime of counting, it was like living death. I can't, she rasped. Till she remembered Clarice, 4,732, 4,733, she kept on. At recess, she took herself to Alaska. What the glove am I going to look at, she asked the state of seclusion, because Deli had done some thinking. There were two ways she decided she kept it, ending up in trouble town. One was thinking something would be fun and doing it. The other was fighting. She wasn't sure the accountant could help or could keep her away from either of them. So she scanned the playground searching for something that wouldn't tempt her with fun or the fight. There was Danny Novello on the basketball court. Just make me mad, she muttered. Gwenny and Tater were racing, too glad. Everywhere kids were playing and shouting, too ballgrum fun, she rasped. Then she saw it. Sitting under a tree, bent over a book, was that Ferris Boyd. It wasn't fun, and it didn't make her want to fight much. One, she began. From 1 to 1,129, she watched the girl turn the page twice, like watching ice melt. She mumbled at 1,130. Some birds flitted by Ferris Boyd. Squirrels ran circles around her. Deli yawned. At 1,492, a bird landed on Ferris Boyd's head. It put its beak in her hair. Deli sat up. The bird flapped down to Ferris Boyd's shoulder and hopped along her arm like it was a branch. It perched on her hand. Huh? Deli quit counting. Ferris Boyd looked up from her book. Then the girl and the bird stared at each other as if they were having a conversation without making a sound. When they were finished, the bird flew off. The girl went back to reading. What's going on over there? Deli rasped. The bell rang and Ferris Boyd stood. The creatures disappeared into the air and across the grass. Chisel, Deli heard herself sigh, like she was sorry it was over, like it was fun. That wasn't fun, she schooled herself. It was like watching paint dry, and she followed everybody into school. Sitting at her desk, though, she kept thinking about Ferris Boyd and that bird telling each other things without talking. 1,556, 1,557, she murmured. Hmm. The day went downhill from there. During social studies, the digits doled her to sleep. Lionel Terrywilger had to shake her. One, two, three, she woke up shouting, till she heard the laughs all around her. Ballgram counting, she muttered. But when Novello passed her desk and hissed, Hey, Smelly, she snarled. 858, 859, instead of slugging him. Mr. Novello, Lion Terrywilger boomed. You will write Miss Patterson's name is Delaware 100 times. So the numbers were good for something. She was counting when Arby came to her room before dinner. Hey, he said. She nodded. You get in trouble today? He whispered. She shook her head. He started singing, no trouble today. Between 12,345 and 12,346, she told him. It's like eating cardboard, Arby. It's killing me. You can do it, he assured her. Chapter 19. But Deli was drowning in the dullness. Every day was nothing but numbers, the same ones over and over again. She stopped feeling sunshine. The world turned dingy gray, except at recess. The creatures came as soon as Ferris Boyd sat down. Red and blue and yellow birds danced in the air above her. Squirrels played tag beside her. Sometimes Deli'd catch herself giggling and saying, Ferris Boyd, those squirrels ran over your legs, as if she and the girl were friends, as if it were fun. 
Then she reminded herself, this is not fun. It's like watching grass grow. It was better than counting, though. And for a half hour, Ferris Boyd wasn't the head down hunched over kid she was everywhere else. Because in school, Ferris Boyd was a disaster. All day long, she drooped over her desk as if her sadness weighed so much she couldn't sit up straight. Miss Boyd, Lionel Tailwigger would say, please approach the blackboard and complete the problem. So she'd shuffle to the front of the room and slouch by the board. You may commence, he prod her. She never did. Finally, Lionel Tailwigger would give up. Thank you, Miss Boyd. You may resume your seat. And she'd slump back to her chair. Without the animals, Ferris Boyd was a barely living lump, like Deli felt all the time now. After school, Deli counted as she washed desks for detention. The numbers walked home with her. They sat in the back of her head, waiting while she did her homework. Counting is the worst Deli punishment ever, she sighed, except for this. Clarice hadn't cried again. Chapter 20. All week, Brad or er, Rude Kenny counted the seconds till Sunday at St. Stanislaus. He had a prayer. Please let me see that boy play again, and I won't wreck it. Sunday morning, he pedaled slowly down the river road. About a block from the old Hennepin place, he heard it. Thump, 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 clang. He put his hand over his mouth to keep from shouting, All right. At the end of the drive, he peeked around the brush. There was the boy dribbling and jumping and shooting, just like before. Brood laid his bike in the ditch. He snuck behind bushes till he was halfway down the drive. Don't mess me up again, his head warned the rest of him. Because Brood had a plan. He would watch, still, and silent for a little while. I'll learn, then I'll leave, he decided. And at first his body obeyed, while the boy dribbled between his legs and behind his back. Brood's hands stayed still. When the boy ran down the drive, Brood's feet didn't stir. Then the boy took the ball in both hands and jumped. As he floated through the air, he turned he turned so the hoop was behind him. Blind to the basket, he threw the ball up over his head. Brood stopped breathing. It was impossible shot. The ball didn't know impossible. It soared to the rim and slid through it. And Brood Kenny's plan didn't have a prayer. Oh, man, he whooped. His arms were pumping the air with happiness. The boy swung around. His scared eyes spotted Brood. Then he was running. Just like before, Brood needed too much, too fast from his mouth. Hey, he hollered. You play real g-g-g-g-g. The boy was at the stoop. Brood tried again. You play g-g-g-g-g. The boy reached for the door. It was over. Brood hit his mouth with his fist to hurt it. Uh, he cried. His He hung his head and he waited for the door to slam on him and his two basketball-loving body. It wasn't the words that stopped Ferris Boyd. It was the g-g-g-g-g, the sound of a mouth that wouldn't speak. It turned her around. She saw Brood hit himself. She flinched like she felt it. When the door didn't bang, Brood wondered if he hadn't been going so loud he missed it. He looked up. There was the boy on the stoop staring at him. Brood took a breath. He pointed to his mouth. Hard, he said. And the boy didn't leave or laugh. So Brood kept on. You play real The G got him again. His head went down for good. Brood didn't see Ferris Boyd walk toward him. He didn't see the pad and pen she took from her pocket till they were under her under his eyes. His face went red. I'm so bad at talking, he thought. That boy thinks I have to write. His hand stayed at his sides. The pen and paper disappeared, then came back. Right here was on the page in pale, skinny letters. They weren't telling. They were asking. So Brew did. You play real good. I play too. I was just watching, he wrote. The boy read it and glanced at the ground. Time to go, Brood's head said. His hand wouldn't listen. Want to play a game, it wrote. The boy's eyes got scared again. He looked at the house, then Brood. 
He was weighing which it would be, and Brood could tell the house was winning. Give it up, Brood's head insisted. Instead, his mouth said, I'm Brood. The boy gazed into Brood's eyes like he was reading them too. Brood let him. After a long time, the boy took the pad. H-O-R-S-E, he wrote. Your name? Brood asked. The boy shook his head. Oh, the game. The boy nodded. No touch, he added in big dark letters. He held the paper in front of him like a shield. No touch, Brood promised. The boy passed him the ball to begin. Brood was so happy he couldn't keep his mouth from yelling, yes! Before he took a shot, though, he raised his arm like he was in school. The boy looked at him. What's your name, he asked. Slowly, the boy printed Ferris Boyd. Brood's right hand waved. Hi. He smiled to the tip of his teeth glowed. Then they played. It was over before Brood blinked. He got hammered. It wasn't that Brood didn't make any baskets. He did. It was because sometimes he missed. The boy didn't. Still, even getting skunked, Brood had had the best time ever because he got to watch the boy up close without barreling through bushes. Brood's last shot bounced off the rim and came back to the pavement. He turned to the boy. Again, he asked because he didn't want it to end. But the boy had vanished. Nothing moved around that place except birds and a black cat. So Brood set the ball on the stoop and headed down the drive. Before he left, though, he turned to the house and raised his hand. See you next week. He wasn't telling. He was hoping. In bed that night, Brood was having one of his visions. In his head, he and the boy were playing H-O-R-S-E again, and this time Brood was winning. Time out, he called and walked over to the boy. Hey, I was thinking, he said, maybe you don't like talking either. That's why you have that pad. Maybe we don't have to talk ever. In his vision, the boy nodded and Brood smiled, so his teeth glimmered. I'm going to stop there today. Um, So the first several chapters, we learned how Deli listen to her brother RB on how to respond to when she gets angry instead of wanting to make fun of someone or act silly or get into a fight. She started counting, which we saw counting took up her whole life and she was getting very bored with it. And then this last chapter introduced us to Ferris Boyd in a little bit more uh, different level. And we got to see the relationship between Ferris Boyd and brood. And so we will continue tomorrow, starting with chapter one. I hope you enjoy and I miss you, love you, and bye for now.